where we get into trouble, Steve, is we hang on to the darn thing. Right. So just imagine, okay, so your, your, your cell phone has whatever tone or beep or whatever you've assigned to it, right? Mm-hmm. Just imagine if that thing went on 24-7-365. Right. It's not designed for that. Or your alarm in the morning that wakes you up. It's rarely a soothing, pleasing sound. <laughs> right. it's, it's at least something of sufficient impact to get you, wow, you know. Yeah. Up. But if that went on all day, all night, you'd be a basket case. Mm-hmm. That's what we do to ourselves when we hang on to regret. This week, Dr. Noelle Nelson joins the show to discuss regret. Well, we know there's a bad side to regret, but there's also a good side. So what does that mean? And if there is bad regret, how do you get over it? And much more. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm going to keep this short. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You should know that we have a website, hitchmag.com, with thousands of articles, our complete podcast archive with over 500 episodes, a free weekly newsletter, and more. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating or review to help encourage others to join. And without further ado, enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again with the lovely, the brilliant Dr. Noelle Nelson. Hi, Noelle. Hi, Steve. Uh, It is always great to have you on. And uh, today we are going to talk about an unusual topic, regret. Um, But before we do, I do want to let everybody know that Noelle is a clinical psychologist, a consultant, a popular speaker in the U.S. and abroad, and is the author of over a dozen best-selling books, uh, including Happy Healthy Dead, What You Think You Know About Aging is Wrong and How to Get It Right, and you can get more information at her website, noellenelson.com. So, um, regret. What brings you to want to discuss this uh, subject today? Well, we're, we're talking about the regret that you have after you had an affair, after you racked up those gambling debts, after you have gotten over your addiction. What happens a lot of the time is even though you're in genuine recovery from whatever, is you can look at yourself, look at your marriage, and look at the impact it's had on your marriage and your spouse and feel deeply regretful. And that has good, bad, and ugly about it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's... That's kind of the overview. Right. Okay. And, and go ahead. Sorry. Well, the reason I want to discuss it today specifically is you think about yourself often as a bad person once you've done something you regret. Okay. Okay. But usually it's not that you are a bad person it is most often that you're basically a good person who made bad choices. Got it. And that's really how we can get First of all, how we can see the upside to regret, but also how we can better understand the downside. Because you sit there and you beat yourself up. 
I have, for example, a friend. Uh, They're kind of going through the empty nest thing. Okay. And as they go through the empty nest thing, um, the uh, husband started going to a bar after work. And he'd have a few drinks, and then he'd go home. But he didn't realize quite how many few drinks he was having. And one day after coming home, he thought, oh, you know, um, I need to get thus and such from the store. Or I think his wife actually said, would you please get thus and such? Sure. So off he went. And an hour later, she gets a phone call from the police that her husband has gotten into a crash and he's lying out in the middle of the street. He's alive, but he's spread eagled being arrested. Mm. Now, we're talking about a very law-abiding person who would never in his wildest dreams hurt anybody, uh, get into this kind of a situation, etc. He literally just did not know how to cope with the kids being grown and gone and being, I want to say this is a terrible, <laughs> a terrible stereotype, but what often happens with males is they don't want to talk about it. Right. And so he's not talking about it. He's drinking about it. And I got to tell you that the impact on their marriage has been just awful. Not so much of what he did, because she forgave him for that. He, he got himself into a recovery program right away. I mean, he's fine from that point of view. But he is not, is not letting go of it. He's just not. And so what happens is he's gotten depressed. There's a huge distance between the couple, in, you know, as far as their, their not just their uh, intimate relation, but their relationship right. mm-hmm. is, is suffering terribly. She reaches out to him. He's like so, so pained inside that he just can't respond. And I'll tell you, it's a mess. And we're talking now about eight months later. Mm-hmm. This wow. didn't happen yesterday. Yeah. So regret is is a very powerful and often hurtful uh, issue. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that I mean, the, I mean that's a an incredible story, um, and I'm really sorry to hear about it from yeah. friends of yours. Yeah. Uh, and and there's that. So that like is a very good demonstration of the obvious downside. I think the bad and the ugly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what would be the good aspect that you see to regret? Well, before I get to the good aspect, I do want to point out that there's been some interesting research that shows that regret, so we're still sort of on the downside, okay. uh, can result in chronic stress, in poor hormonal and immune system functioning. In other words, it has it takes a physical toll as well as an emotional toll. It- it's, so um, those things sound to me very similar to what we know about stress itself. Um, yes. Are, so are these two related cousins? <laughs> well, yes, of course they would be because think about it. If you're, excuse me, ruminating how bad you feel about yourself and the choices you made, that is stressful mm-hmm. just in and of itself. So it's, it's, but let's put it this way. As you know, Steve, there's good stress and there's bad stress, okay? Good stress is the stimulation that keeps us moving through life. Mm. Bad str- stress is the stuff that wears us down. Right. This is the bad stress variety. Yeah. Right. It's almost like the um, uh, pressure. If pressure's behind you, it's almost like a wind that's pushing you forward. But if it's a headwind, it's holding you back. That is an excellent analogy. Yes. And this is definitely holding you back. Yeah. But as you pointed out, yes, there are there are good aspects to regret. 
Mm-hmm. Would you like me to get into that? I would love for you to <laughs> help everybody out there just going, oh man, I need to, I need to watch my drink consumption and, right. uh, <laughs> and better not be gambling and blah, right. blah, blah. You're right, right. Right. No. Well, regret is very similar to anger or fear or worry in that it has survival function. Okay. Mm-hmm. Regret is basically the way your subconscious, if you will, that you're the emotional portion of you, tells you that it's time to take another look at your choices. Mm. Just like anger is a signal that says something disrupted your boundaries. Just like fear tells you something is possibly interfering with your survival. So, and worry, very similar. So all of these negative emotions have a primary important function, which is kind of like a bell going ding, 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 mm-hmm. like wake up. Where we get into trouble, Steve, is we hang on to the darn thing. Right. So just imagine, okay, so your, your, your cell phone has whatever tone or beep or whatever you've assigned to it, right? Mm-hmm. Just imagine if that thing went on 24-7-365. Right. It's not designed for that or your alarm in the morning that wakes you up. It's rarely a soothing, pleasing sound. <laughs> right. it's, it's at least something of sufficient impact to get you, wow, you know. Yeah. Up. But if that went on all day, all night, you'd be a basket case. Mm-hmm. That's what we do to ourselves when we hang on to regret. Um. But in and of itself, regret, when we take it as simply that warning signal, it's one of the major reasons addicts get into recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good thing. Um, when it comes to regret, I, I did have a follow-up question for you. Sure. Which is, how much, of, how much does shame play a role in regret? Because okay. is that required? No. Okay. Shame is... Um, if you will, a deeper chasm that we fall into. Shame says, I am unworthy. I am a piece of uh, expletive deleted. Um, I am, uh, you know, to be squashed under someone's heel. Shame is, is making yourself inherently a bad thing. Okay. Okay. Unworthy. All right. Regret is, I was stupid. I did, the, I did something really dumb. Do you see the difference? It's not, I am dumb. So it's, it's, it's uh, I did dumb. So it's a more singular emotion attached to a singular event as opposed to an all encompassing emotion or an all compo- all encompassing self valuation. Right. Okay. Got see, it. regret doesn't mean people don't necessarily with regret go, I am a horrible person. It's when the I am comes in that you know it's shame. So so if let's just say it was like infidelity was the issue, yes. um, you wouldn't you wouldn't look at yourself as like I am a constant cheating philanderer. I it would be I did a stupid thing. Well, you could you could go to the I am a constant cheating philanderer, but where you wouldn't go is I am a worthless piece of shit. Got it. Okay. So it wouldn't be like I'm a terrible Husband, human being, right? Human being. Okay, right. got it. It goes further than husband. Husband is mostly a do. Got In it. other words, a, a husband mostly is a role, whereas 
the I am I'm referring to is your essence. So it goes it, like, like you said at the top, it's, it's, it's deeper than, yes, got it. It is, okay. it is deeper. And certainly there are people who, um, faced with their bad choices turn to shame, mm-hmm. but that's not what we're addressing here. Right. Shame often requires the help of, um, a counselor, a therapist, uh, uh, something or other, um, because it is, it is deeper and it often is, Mm, hooked by previous self-worth issues. Got it. So the, it's it's almost like whatever the incident that brought you to that place right. was more of a trigger than uh, than the issue and uh, as a itself. Whole. Right. Correct. Correct. So you've you've committed the infidelity, or however you want to frame that. Um, a person who already has an a foundation of shame is going to straight to the place of, well, see, that proves I'm a worthless piece of shit. Right. Right. And, and Whereas a you, person, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was just going to say, and, and, and some of those instances, it might've been a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, like, sure. Like they were trying to get themselves to that place. Sure. Yeah. Often it is because you can't, you won't change your behavior until you change your self-concept. Right. If you think of yourself as worthless, chances are very good that you're going to somehow navigate through the world making choices that prove you're worthless. Right. And I think that's the, I think you, that you finally, uh, well, you've been, you've been bringing it up about where the difference is, but I think that's a very great distinction there because um, yes. regret isn't, isn't that. No, no. So. Regret is, I did, I did. It's, it comes yeah. under the I did yeah. something, usually stupid. Got it. Like my, my friends, neither the husband nor the wife in that case are thinking that the husband is a worthless, worthless piece of shit. Right. However, they are both agreed <laughs> that he really did something he very did. stupid. <laughs> yeah. And he's yeah. fully aware of it. Yeah. So that's how regret happens. Regret is a conscious thing. Right. Mm. Oh, that's a good way of, yeah. uh, yes, yes. Okay. That's why it can be good. Because See, that's the thing, Steve. Mm-hmm. It's right there, right mm-hmm. in front of your face. It's, it's not buried deep inside your psyche. Right, right. Does that also make it more accessible, too, uh, which is why it's so dangerous? Because you, it, it, it is on that surface. Dangerous in what way? Dangerous in that it's the alarm that keeps going off that you can't turn yes. off. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. But, you, but the good thing about regret is you can turn it off, but you, you can only do so by, uh, well, we're, we're on to yeah, the next. Yeah, so, yeah. so let, let's talk about it. So how do you get over regret? Basically, you start to put your logical mind at work, okay? Okay. And you start to try to think through, and sometimes you need to do this with a counselor, okay? Yeah. This, but you can also sometimes just do this on your own, is you can think through. What are the circumstances that led you to this thing that you otherwise wouldn't normally do? Mm-hmm. Okay? In other words, what was the situation and why did you handle the situation, whatever it is, in the way that you did? Let's take infidelity, okay? Often, infidelity comes from not feeling that you're getting sufficient attention or appreciation or love from your partner. So, rather than simply deciding, you know, uh, well, like you say, I'm a worthless philanderer or whatever. In other words, deciding that, okay, I, I messed up and I'm going to mess up forever is look at, okay, what made you feel less than loved, less than appreciated? Can you talk this through with your spouse? Most of the time people can, you know that. Right. Right. And so that would be a way of, of dealing with it is start, start looking at, okay, 
what did this? I know I am not a bad person, but I did something bad. Mm-hmm. Why would I do that? Mm-hmm. And it's a willingness to really look, which which is hard for people. How much? Okay, so in in these instances, and I think you know, addressing our audience specifically, the, we are talking about people who are in relationships, uh, couples in, in good relationships, in good relationships, right? Yes. And and uh, your your friend who um, was struggling with the issue of the empty nest mm-hmm. uh, started, you know using some of his time to hang out at the bar, mm-hmm. uh, made a poor choice, not realizing how intoxicated he was. Okay. We Correct. get that. The philander, um, uh, does this thing because they're not, um, feeling the love at home. Okay. In both instances, there's another party involved in this. So the wife of the, of your friend, mm-hmm. um, she, I, I, like, I feel like in order to get over the regret, there has to be some level of forgiveness on the person who it may have harmed? Is that is that part of this process? Well, for today, I'm just looking at the person who did the harm. Okay. But of course, of course, the, the bigger picture, which includes the spouse, needs to include tons of communication, forgiveness, understanding on both ends. I mean, it's, it's, it's the bigger picture. I mean, can you get over, I guess my question then, uh, to, to talk about the person who did the bad, can mm-hmm. they get over regret, regret without the person forgiving them because of the impact it had on them? That's a really good question. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, th- I'm thinking. Um, I think that if the spouse can't forgive, it's going to be very hard for this marriage to continue in a good way. But you can still get over your regret. Is it because the alarm would continue to go off every time you interacted with your spouse? No, you can get over the regret yourself, which basically means forgiving yourself without condoning your behavior. Right. All right. Mm-hmm. But let's say that you've achieved that and, and you know, you've, you've had conversations and so forth, but your spouse, the one who was, who was hurt, if you will, just refuses to let go of it. Mm-hmm. Now we have a bigger problem. So it's almost like you've moved on, but your spouse yeah. hasn't. And as cool. we know that a couple, That's... it doesn't matter like where the couple is as long as they're on the same track. It's going to be okay. Right. But and this is where the, the couple starts to diverge. It would. Yeah. And then okay. now it doesn't have as much to do with the mistake, quotes unquote, or right. the thing, whatever you want to call the infidelity, the accident, whatever. Mm-hmm. It has more to do now with the spouse's level of trust right. in the marriage. And so that is a deeper issue and not really one we're covering today. Sure. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, then it puts the spouses on, on unequal tracks and that ain't going to work. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to come back to one thing. Yes, it's please. very important in, in releasing regret to understand that when you've come to terms with whatever the situation was that led you to do this bad thing is that you forgive yourself, but you do not condone it. Right. In other words, this was not. This was never okay. It's not going to be okay in the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I, I am not a bad person. I made a bad choice, and I swear to myself. I mean, I make a commitment to myself that I will find ways to never be tempted into whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't ever say, well, that was okay. It wasn't a big deal. Like the one that just kills me when I hear about 
infidelity. Well, I didn't have any feelings for her or him. What does that have to do with it? Right, right. You were unfaithful. (laughs) Right. You know, so you can't do that. You can't go, well, uh, you know, uh, it was late at night. I couldn't see enough in the dark for the cars. No, you can't do that. No, no, no. That's condoning. That's not good. Right. Okay. Um, Are there any other practical steps that one can take? Sometimes what helps, Steve, is sometimes people have a lot of trouble forgiving themselves. And so if you can think in terms of, well, what would you say to someone you loved or a dear friend who was in the same situation to help them Mm -hmm. see that it was a bad choice and they are not a bad person? Mm -hmm. Because that's the essential distinction. Right. And try to imagine, well, what would you say to, to Bill or Mary or whoever? And and because often we can we do better speaking to others in about these things than we do to ourselves. Got it. Yeah, and that so, would be probably it. Yeah. Yeah. So you really um, separate your own. It's like you you partition your own psyche from it to to see how you would address other people. Correct. So that in you can talk. Situation. So that so that you can talk to yourself that way. So is there any? Yeah. Um, is there any? practical application of that. So would it help if you, let's say, wrote yourself a letter or wrote a letter to a, you know, an imaginary friend or anything like that, that would help in that process? Writing is always a good idea because writing takes the expression out of our unconscious, so to speak, out of the mm, sort of vague places within within us and puts it out there where you can see it. Mm Mm-hmm. So writing, whether you're doing it on a computer or, or my favorite thing is a pencil and paper, doesn't matter which, it's get it out there. Get it out there. Because if you do that, then it will help you heal. And, and what, certainly, dear Bill or dear Mary, you know, I, I understand you went through blah, 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 and this led you to blah, 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 is great. Because then you can sit there and stare at the thing and say, okay, well, how different am I? Right. Not. Yeah. <laughs> um, thinking about more... Uh, some of the modern tools that we have at our disposal today, sure. Um, you know, would it would it be beneficial to do, say, like record a, a video for yourself or something like that on your smartphone? Is that like a process that would be helpful, or is that just like, eh? Let's put it this way: um, people, when they record themselves on video or uh, in any visual medium like that, okay, tend to focus too much on how they look. Mm, okay. So you think, oh, I really do look like a, whatever, a pervert, a slob, a, you it. know, a dangerous per or, oh, I look fine. I look, look at me. I'm no, yeah. it's, it's, we're at, you're actually better off either writing and writing is preferable to speaking. Like you could speak and record yourself. Right. Right. You know, mm-hmm. but writing usually is more effective. Okay. Yeah. Is that because it's, um, just like the thought process that goes into having to compose. There's two things that happen, Mm -hmm. but there's two things that happen when you write uh, germane to what you're saying. One is the thought process. You actually think things through differently when you write them down. Mm -hmm. But the other is called is simply muscle memory. In other words, your, your hand retains a memory of what you wrote, which is translated to your brain and stays there better. Mm. That's the only reason taking notes in class works. Right. Okay. Because you actually have a, a, a sort of muscle memory that 
translates up through your nervous system into your brain. So it, it stays better. And then, of course, the added advantage is you can, look, oh, you can look at it repeatedly. Right. And you can fix it and change it and morph it and do stuff with it. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 No. Okay. Um, now, if you're a really good songwriter, you could write a song about it. Mm, okay. Yeah, that's a great idea. But we're still writing. Right. Right. And a lot of songs are the result of somebody's angst, upsetness yeah. over something. A lot of them, especially the ones that we re- that resonate very strongly to us. I feel like this is the part of um, art and the humanities that gets kind of overlooked. Uh, it has as it's be, it becomes an out like artistic expression becomes an outlet for our humanity. And uh, you see this in, with painters and sculptors mm-hmm. as well. Yes, of course. And so would the same thing apply if, uh, you know, you might not be writing a letter about the incident, but if you mm-hmm. expressed it through painting, would that, would that have the same kind of? Well, painting is not going to be, let's put it this way, you'd have to be a dyed-in-the-wool artist who uses that mode of expression for pretty much everything because you're going to be the only one that understands what it means. Got it. Yes. Okay. I mean, but but isn't it for yourself, though? I mean, It is for yourself. Of course it's for yourself. But you have to ask yourself, the reason I say dyed-in-the-wool artist is if you're not really, if, if you're just sort of thinking, well, I can draw this. As long as you're willing to use it then actively Got it. as a template and therefore be willing to cross stuff out or erase stuff or however you, you know, paint over it, whatever, right. as your thoughts change and you're willing to use it as such and not look at it as, dang, this is a better piece of art that I've produced now than I have in, you know, five years. Right. Okay. <laughs> so you really have to use whatever the outlet is. It has to be used for this intentional purpose, not... Correct. Just to like spew out your feelings. Correct. Got it. That's catharsis. Catharsis is not the same thing as seeking reasons for forgiveness. Right. Okay. Got it. Self-forgiveness. Self-forgiveness. Right. Catharsis. Catharsis. Any medium is good. Right. We've, yes, we've talked about it. Whatever speaks to you. Doesn't matter what it is. Written, painting, singing, jumping up and down on a trampoline. Catharsis is simply letting it out. Got it. This is not just letting it out. Okay. Yeah, no, this all makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I feel like we we <laughs> we really got into the weeds and, <laughs> and the nuances, which is like my favorite thing in the world. So cool. I love this. Um, it, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up before we wrap this up? No, except it is so very important for all of us to remember that 99.99999% of us are not bad people, but we do. I would say 100% of us sometimes make bad choices. Right. Actually, I do have a follow-up question. Does the re- – no, I, I was going to ask if it matters if it's intentional or unintentional, but it doesn't matter because no, the regret is the same. Because to, to the point of the example that you brought up at the beginning, your friend didn't have intentions of getting drunk and getting into an accident. Of course not. It just, it just happened based on poor choices or not realizing that he was even making poor choices. Right. So, yes, I answer my own question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, this is great, Noel. Uh, like I said, I, I love getting into the weeds with you. Um, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and look forward to doing this again very soon. Thank you, Steve. All right. And with that, we will wrap this up. But before you go, I want to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Noel Nelson, who is a clinical psychologist, a consultant, a popular speaker in the U.S. and abroad. She is the author of over a dozen best-selling books, including Happy Healthy Dead, Why What You Think You Know About Aging Is Wrong and How to Get It Right. You can get more information at her website, noelnelson.com. And spun from that book, Happy Healthy Dead, is uh, a group that Noelle has created called Meet the Amazings. Uh, You can find it on Facebook, facebook.com slash meettheamazings, where she uh, updates it regularly with um, people who are 70, 80, 90, 100 plus years old doing really amazing, incredible active things, not just surviving, but doing really amazing things like swimming the English Channel and just crazy things. So it's it's really amazing. It's really inspiring. I highly recommend it. Um, you can also follow Noel on Twitter at Dr. Noel Nelson. Uh, and of course, you can get all this information at our website, hitchedmag.com, where you will find thousands of articles, uh, hundreds of podcasts, a newsletter, and much more. So hopefully you check that out. And until next time, that's going to do it. Take care, everybody. Clear our heads of all our worries and fears. Now we know it's go time. And it's about you.